You are now listening to the Hunter's Advantage Podcast. We preserve the history and sport of hunting through curious conversation and action-packed hunts, as well as offering you tips and strategy for more successful hunts. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Hunter's Advantage Podcast. This is episode number 120 or 120. This is Hunt Talk, episode number I don't know, but number one of season two of Hunt Talk, and I'm joined by Jake Gaylord. What's going on, Jake? Not a lot. Before we started this, you said you had something funny to tell us, so so let's hear it. Okay, so I haven't posted any new trail cam photos this year, like on Instagram or anything um, of what's going on at the lease, but got some good bucks coming into the lease, and what's hilarious is I've got these bucks, and they've came in the last seven days, every morning, every evening, two of them together. Last night at about six o'clock, a spider starts spinning a web in front of my camera. And I'm like, don't do this the day before the season. And it's still on there. And it's, it's got still taking pictures. It's only taking probably a fourth as many pictures as it used to. Like it's taking a picture. Whereas I used to get like hundreds of pictures in a morning. It took like 20 this morning. And I was like, (laughs) that reminds me of, uh, uh, down in Southern Oklahoma. When we hung that that one SD card camera on that trail, and then that spider just slowly descended like a little leaf down in front of the camera perfectly, and then it took three thousand pictures of absolutely nothing. What was what sucked about that situation was we got good pictures for like the first few days that camera was there, mm-hmm. and we're like, oh, this is gonna be awesome. And then it had like like you said thousands of pictures. I was like, dude, there's gonna be some monsters on here. The spider just <laughs> doing work, just spinning it up. Um, but like I alluded to the last podcast, this is Hunt Talk season well, two. Talk. What? Tine Talk. What do you mean? Tine Talk? Oh, yeah, that's right. We don't hunt. We hunt for tines. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what we're going to be up to. We're going to be recapping last weekend's hunt in Kansas. So with that being said, let's get into it. Mm. Mm. What were your expectations for Kansas? For Kansas? First time um, hunting in September? First time. That was... So I think we got a little, a little bit of luck and a little bit of uh, uh, good grace because the thing is, is it's not supposed to be in the fifties in September. No. Never in my life have I have I like went out in September and be like, hmm, I need a sweatshirt. Well, this trip I felt like I did, and so it, it was like I think some mornings it was like in the fifties, high fifties, and then for the most part it was like sixties and seventies. I mean, it might have got crept up into the eighties one day, but uh. It was a rather cool, rather cool trip, and I don't know if that's what made the deer get on their feet or not, but I was very happy with uh, what we seen. I love the, uh... okay, before we get too deep into this, um, Jake Ayers, we were texting back and forth, mm-hmm. and he sent me a, so originally we're, we're planning on going back next week and to Kansas because we, for, uh, for some reasons that we'll talk about later. But Jake sent me a picture of the weather forecast for next week. 40s in the morning. 40s? 42. Like when we'll 40, be there? 42 in the mornings. And Jake said, because uh, it goes from like mid 50s to like low 40s. And Jake said, bro. All he said is bro. And then sent a picture <laughs> of the weather forecast. And I was so, like, that's what I'm talking about. Is he home now? He is. So, so here, after this week, he's going to head up there as well. Is he heading up there on Thursday as well? 
Yes. Yes. Good, 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 good. Yes, he will be. Maybe those low temps will just uh, basically tell those mosquitoes to piss off. Dude, I hope so. They, <laughs> they were thick. Dude, so that's boys. a funny story. Um, we, we can, I'll get into my mosquito talk as we go into the, as we go into the hunt. So day one, we, we got there and we were going to try some Weehaw morning number one and did Carol wasn't there quite yet. So me and you double stacked on the Weehaw had a really good first morning. It was like, bad. it was weird because you go up there and you see these bean fields and you're like, dude, there's no way a deer on public land is stupid enough to yeah. walk out on those bean fields. And then it's like the, the wind or the, the sun crests the hill and you you just like see deer everywhere. You're like, why is this happening? Yeah. Well, I also think this is, I mean, I'm not hundred percent sure, but this really looked like a first year, like Weehaw. So like, this was the first time ever this piece of property was considered a Weehaw. A piece property. of public. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that helped us out a lot. Mainly the only reason I think that is just because, uh, like we already covered, I think once before in a podcast that, uh, this landowner, left all of his stuff out, like left his feeders out, left his box blinds, left, you know, three or four stands. And that came in helpful one of the days. But for the most part, like I didn't think that was allowed. Well, it kind of is like leaving a map behind of like cheat codes yeah. on the Weehaw because <laughs> this person owns the land and they're showing you if I was to hunt, I'd hunt here, 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 and here. And, when we went in there to scout, we're like, there's no way these will be here when we come back. And then we came back and I was like, why is that still there? This is like free stands. You don't got to bring in a tree stand. You don't got to bring anything. You just walk in and set in those stands. And I looked at the regulations for people that want to hound us. If a stand does not, ha you're supposed to have your name and your Kansas Parks and Wildlife Department license number on the stand if you leave it. And if you don't have that, that's considered a public stand. You can jump up in it. Okay. So... <laughs> I mean, because I'd probably do it regardless. <laughs> yeah. Well, that opening morning was awesome. We saw what, 17, 17, 18 deer? Mm, something like that. Yeah. A lot, a lot, a lot. Probably more deer that, like, just in that sit than I seen all of last year. Mm. Yeah. Well, we, that we called that first or this weekend just kicking the dust off or the rust off. There wasn't even dust, it was rust. You forgot your climbing, uh, your straps for your climbing sticks. Yes. Your camera battery. Yes. What else? My pull-up rope for my bow. Pull-up rope for your bow. I get in the stand and I go to put my camera on the fluid head, and I'm like, "How does this attach?" <laughs> <laughs> and I sat there for a minute. And I was like, "I'm not putting this expensive camera on here." But then I pulled those gear ties off. You guys might have already seen this in the video, but I strap my. I have like thousands of dollars in camera equipment held together by a $4 gear tie on here. And I'm like, please, please don't fall off. Um, but we ended up having a great morning that opening morning, which gave me confidence for the rest of the time. We definitely seen more deer than probably we should have for the situation we were in. Mm -hmm. Cause we were yes. in shambles that first morning. And cause like literally I set up in, in the stand. So long story short, I tried to it's supposed to be my first time hunting out of a saddle. Uh, well, I had everything for the saddle except straps to hang the climbing sticks so like we mentioned earlier the guy left his his stands there that's where i sat is in one of his stands that we've seen uh late summer when we were scouting it 
And so I sat there, it was completely wrong wind. And every deer I've seen, it seen me first and also smelled me first. So that, that was the situation we were in. And so I was just thankful to see a deer and, and at least get one in shooting range. Granted, it was like little forkhorn, but uh, yeah, it was, it was major dust getting kicked off. Mm-hmm. So evening number one went about as good as you could ever hope for coming in on a new, new state and uh, hunting an area that you've never hunted before. So if you guys watched our Onyx challenge, wasn't it Onyx? No, it wasn't. It wasn't the Onyx challenge. The single send challenge. No, it was the second video we ended up putting out, which was just like scouting velvet bucks in Kansas. Yeah. So in that video, you saw a spot where our SD card got stolen and a spot we call grandpa stand because there's a existing stand up in the, up in the uh, tree. We hunted that evening. Number one. And Jake went and hunted a spot about what, about 500 yards from where, where I was sitting. Yeah, roughly. Okay. And that <coughs> evening was pretty dynamite for a couple of reasons. Why was it from your perspective? Well, to start, I brought all my equipment in. That's a good start. That's a very good start. And uh, I brought, you know, I had batteries and stuff for the camera. Well, I got set up over there. Well, not really set up. I climbed one tree. And again, newbie, newbie saddle hunter. Climbed one tree. And I was like, I'm too high because it's like immature canopy, like along this bean field. <clears throat> and uh, so I get down and kind of hug up next to this water source. And I'm not very high off the ground at all, but I think I'm far enough back from like the main trail where we expected these deer to come out from. And so I'm probably, I don't know, five to eight feet off the ground, max, max, because that, that, canopy hangs so low and stuff like that like you you wouldn't be able to shoot five yards in front of you if you actually got up into a tree so probably should have done a ground hunt looking back on it yes yes but again i was just like well you know better to be off the ground than not i guess but my mistake i've learned so the evening goes on and i see a few doe come out from the timber probably these doe were probably like 50 to 80 yards away and they're and you know they came one at a time and I seen like two or three and they filtered the way out into the field. And so I'm like, cool. Hopefully, if a buck comes out, it gets closer. Whatever. And so the whole time, like like I'm there, especially getting towards the evening, what I'm doing is I'm like scanning into the bedding because I'm low enough to scan pretty far uh, under that canopy. So I have my binos and I'm just kind of scanning, waiting for stuff to to uh, just start coming out of that bedding. That way I can get ready because, like I said, I'm low to the ground. And I want to see them before they see me. It's worth mentioning this is a spot that it's like do or die on one lane coming out of the bedding. You got like one option. Yes. yes. So 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 you're trying to undercut me, saying I just suck. Hey, no, right here. No, I'm just that's not the way the dough came out. Just saying. But I, uh no, I know what you mean. So I'm sitting there scanning with my binos, and then like I I start in the bedding, go out in the timber, and then scan out into to the bean field because there's a couple doe hanging out there and you know every now and then they're just fun to look at and uh so i do that and i wait a little bit and then i'll do it again well at the end of one of those like cycles i'm out into the bean field in my binos and i go to turn and look back uh into the bedding because like if you haven't looked somewhere in a while you know you just kind of 
turn and that's the first place you look. All of a sudden, I just see a deer walking towards me. Max, 25 yards at max. And I'm like, how did he you got, get He there? got that close without you hearing him. I, I didn't hear a dang thing. And it, it was pretty damn silent, too. And I was like, how'd you get there? And so he's like walking directly towards me. And at this point, I'm like, like always, got to try to get the camera on him at least. If, if like worst case, if no one's going to like believe this, got to get the camera on him. So I, I literally just reached for the camera. And he, he had to have seen me before I've, I've even seen him because uh, as soon as I went to reach for the camera, he immediately just turned around and like, you know, like those spooked deer dudes kind of slow turned around and then start prancing off in into that uh, uh, bedding. And he did that. And at this point, I didn't know whether he was a buck or no. But uh, because everything like happened so fast, while well, I flew up my binos and seen it was the buck that we had on camera that I just checked. And I was like, that's him. That's him. So I'm, and of course, in a saddle. So I'm just like hanging there like I'm just limp. And I'm like, I just now screwed that up. Like very first basically day here in, in Kansas. And I just now screwed that up. Not three seconds later, I see a deer start uh, trotting 50 yards in front of me. And of course, it's kind of thick in there. And and uh, 50 yards in front of me gets to the edge of this timber, which I'm 10, 15 yards from the edge of the timber as well. He starts running directly at me like he wanted to go by me regardless because there's like this little funnel that leads into the next set of timber. So he he starts basically running at this point straight at me. And of course, my my bow's on the left side because I'm expecting him to come out of the bedding and you're in a saddle. So he's on my weak side. So I'm grabbing my bow just absolutely yelling at him it seems like for him to stop and he ended up stopping about 30 yards away from me and when he does that i'm sitting here the whole time trying to get my release clipped on my uh my d loop and through the summer or through the late summer i switched uh releases and so I used to have one of those, uh, what are they called? Double calipers? Cal- caliper, yeah. Caliper yeah. Release. And now I switch to the hook style release. So I'm sitting there trying to like clip it like like it, it's still a caliper. And I just have to like say, no, this isn't, this isn't working, obviously. Did that. And as soon as I, I was starting to pull back, it was already too late. He was probably 40, 45 yards away from me. Just not, not really scared or, or nothing like that. Just kind of barely trotting out into the field directly away from me. And the way he was heading, I was like, he's heading right towards Christian. And, but the whole time I was like, uh, it literally crossed my mind. I was like, I'm just not going to say anything to anybody that I just now screwed that up because like, I don't like that's, that's just embarrassing. That's sad. I mean, yeah, I mean, but just in the, that split second moment, I was like, I don't need to say anything, but I did. So, so you got a really good look at him when he was running away. Yes. Yes. So there's two types of deer that like just get me going. And that's like either wide ones, like super wide ones, or those funky, like tall looking racks, almost like kickstand. And that's exact. As soon as I seen him, I was like, that's the kickstand of Kansas. And if y'all don't know what we're talking about, about kickstand, go look at our uh, Southern Oklahoma scouting videos. We have some pictures of kickstand on there. And uh, he's a, he's a very cool, unique deer. Now, granted, I'd say kickstand was bigger in 2020 than this year was, but still yet. That's what he reminded me of. And I, immediately I was just like, Oh yeah. Stud. Give me one second. I got to pee bad. Okay. Hello everybody. While Christian is taking a leak, I want to get this time for you to 
give us a five-star rating and review. Uh, go to the YouTube channel. Be sure to like and subscribe. Like every single video. Okay? Subscribe to the channel. Go to TikTok. Anyways. Follow us there. On Instagram, follow us there. On Facebook, follow us there. You just shooting a promo? Yeah. I mean, I'm not just going to use this dead space for nothing. Obviously, we could edit it out, but what better way? Okay. So we just got our mid-roll add in. Yes. Um, That'll so, be 50 bucks. <laughs> so we, uh, you got a good look at that deer. You scared. Oh, to, to, if I had to give my opinion on if you scared the deer by trying to grab the camera or when you were scanning, I think the deer caught you when you were scanning. 100%. 100%. I think he saw, I, I, I really don't think that small movement of you going to grab the camera, if he's unalert, is going to tip him off. I think he got you when you were scanning. Well, I that's, really do. That's what that's what kicks me so so bad because you're just like I should know better, especially like it getting prime time to like scan, especially with the bow. Like if you have a rifle, it's one thing to like scan out further than you can shoot, but it's when I look back, it's just like why was I even scanning out into the field? Because like obviously I wouldn't be able to shoot out there. Because it's fun to look at deer. It is. It is. And especially your first sit. Like, you're not expecting just to go out there and immediately see. What, what, what would you consider that deer? Like, 140, 145? Yeah. He, there's a clip of him on our Instagram you guys can check out. Yeah. I, so He's a big body sucker. It's, I wasn't expecting to see that the very first day. Now, shame on me, I guess, for, for, <clears throat> for doing that. But believe it or not, guys, this is not where the story ends. That's true. So I'm chilling at a spot about 500 yards away. This evening, all I have seen is coons. Like they're five thick years. up there. Damn, yeah. they're big too. They're big coons. They look like a ball, <laughs> like a bull oatmeal. Um, so I had seen a couple coons, and they got in the trees next to me and just like mad dog me like that. But it's probably, dude. I got to talk about the low light performance of that Sony camera. It looks okay. a lot lighter than it was out there. It was basically dark when those deer came in, and people. It looks like daylight Hashtag on the camera. Added. Ad, yeah, Ad. sponsor. No, but these deer run in. It's got to be ten minutes before like legal cutoff, and I just hear it's not like a deer like creeping in. It's like like they just crash in, and I was like, oh, it had me in shambles. I was like, <laughs> uh, uh, what? What do I reach for? And you can see it in the video, like the camera arm like slams into the tree, and I'm like, <laughs> like just what is this? Yeah, and I grab the binos because these deer. The, the first year is probably 35. The second one, I can tell he's he's past 50. The deer's past 50. And I noticed the first one has a smaller body. The second one has a much bigger body. I didn't see the horns immediately, but I was like, that's a buck. I don't know how big he is, but that's a buck. Grab my binos, and I got the camera on it. I throw up my binos, and as I throw up my binos, he does one of these. Like, the, the head turns, <laughs> and I was like... <laughs> I put my binos back in the in their holster and I was like, give me my bow. And I grabbed my bow. And that's pretty much all I needed to see of him. Like periodically I would hit him with my binos again just because he came in and was just stoic. Like mm -hmm. he just sat in that one spot and was just like scanning. Scanning, yeah. And the doe was just meandering around, like nothing had happened. He was sitting there scanning. But I had my bow and I was hitting him with the range. 57. 57. And I was like, man. If he comes in this opening, there's probably an opening 10 yards in front of him. I feel comfortable enough at 57 to take a shot. But where he was currently standing, you can see it in the video. Front shoulder and guts are covered up by a tree. His neck is on one side of the tree and his butt is on the other. And 
he's not a war, he wasn't a world class deer. So I'm like, there's no reason in wounding this deer and putting this turmoil on me this early in the season. If he steps out, I will take a shot. If not, I will not. And it got so dark in that video or in person that I couldn't really even tell when he walked off. So I was just sitting there with my bow, like, come on, come on, for probably 10 minutes. And then eventually the doe works back towards me. And she moseys her way into like 10 yards. And I'm not even like concerned with her. I don't get the camera on her or nothing. I'm just like looking behind her. I'm like, where is he? And she gets to 10 and she hits my trail where I walked in. And she just goes. (laughs) You know how they do. Yeah, You know how they do. It's like they hit like an invisible force field that they can't go past. And they're like, what is that? And she looked straight up at me. And I was like, don't blow. Don't do it. She runs off 10 feet and she just like starts stomping. I'm like, okay, maybe we're good. <sighs> mm. <sighs> I'm like, no, because that shall not pass. I know the buck's gone when she's doing this. She runs out to 30, blows, and she didn't stop blowing until she felt like she got in the next county. She kept going hundreds of yards away. <sighs> <sighs> so, but I left my stand, I left my saddle platform and everything in the tree because I'm like, man, I just had a buck come in at dark. I just had a doe come in to 10 yards. I was like, this is a good spot. I'm just going to hunt it again. Little do I know when I get out to the trail, Jake's like, what buck? And I showed him, all right, he showed me the trail cam picture. And I was like, yeah, that's, that's the one. He's like, I scared that buck too. And I was like, I don't like my spot anymore. It made me me way less confident in my spot. Well, it was good. It was good. We gave it the, the second go though, just to be sure, making sure he wasn't meandering around because that, that next morning, it is what it is, but but we set three deep in that spot. You set your still your your original spot where you set the night before. Carol set where I set, and then I set in Grandpa's stand. Yeah. So we were triangulated basically all in that area, and we we're just like, hey, if he strolls out somewhere within like the surrounding timber, we're gonna get a, we're gonna get another crack at this deer. And uh, long story short, we didn't see crap. No, and that's a that's a pretty aggressive approach. Right. Like it's probably not the smartest approach, but it's like in our mind, it's like, okay, you just blew this deer out. If we've already put a bunch of pressure on this place, let's try it one well, I had to try it the next morning because yeah. my stuff was in the tree. Um, and like we talked about earlier, we didn't have a lot of vehicles, so we kind of had to do kicking the dust off, baby. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we yeah. went that was that was day number one. Um, day number, what do we do need day morning? Number two, morning number two. That's what we did. We set in that spot. Oh, that's right. What we do evening number two, evening number two. I think tried the, the deep spot when we walked in like a mile and a half, two miles deep spot. You know what I'm talking about? Oh yeah. 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 Where'd Carol? Oh, Carol, Carol said at, uh, at Jake's place. Yep. Uh, yeah. yeah, we tried that deep spot. So as, as we were sitting there the second morning in the same spot, we we uh, where I busted that and Christian almost shot the uh, that buck. Uh, a little side note on this: that's a good like lesson to be learned. That and one we're slowly trying to learn. Obviously, you hung like you left your stuff in there, so you're going to hunt that the next morning, regardless. Uh, but after you busted, you're like that. Like, yeah, you could go back in there and shoot him, but for the most part, you're you're asking a mature buck to do something almost stupid out of character. Yes. So it's, it's just like, that's, 
that's usually not not the best scenario, but we did it anyways, just to try it. But uh, while we were sitting there that that morning, I know I know you and I were on like on X, just like hey, I I got a spot we can try. Hey, I got a, I got a spot we can try, and we were just kind of tossing ideas back and forth. Well, we came to the conclusion that we we seen absolutely no people down there like hunting public, and so we weren't really concerned about getting ran off of a place or it like pulling up to a parking spot and there being seven trucks there. But we were like, Hey, just in case this place got hit like opening weekend or something, let's try a place that there's a very good chance that no one's been to. And we found this place. It's, it was probably a two mile walk into where we parked to where, where, uh, we, we set up. And to all you Western guys, y'all are laughing because you're, you're like, like oh, you're walking two miles in Kansas. Good job. And it's just like, yeah, I get it. It was an easy walk, I'll admit. But uh, for the most part, it's it wasn't a fun walk. And so we were thinking there's a lot better, probably closer places that, that, that look just as good. So if people were to hunt, they'd go there instead of here. So that's what we did. We found this like little secluded like place that there were fields, but we didn't know if they were uh, like had any crops on them or not. And so we're like, let's just go check it out. So we strolled back there and uh, got set up. Long story short, seen like three or four doe, if that. And then, I mean, that was that was evening number two. I saw a goose egg. A goose egg? Hey. Yeah. Yeah. That's you got to sort those out before you can find the good ones, I guess. That's right. Uh, morning number three, where did we sit? I'm trying to think on that. Hmm. I, I'm I'm drawing a blank on that morning. Well, okay. So morning number three. So we did that. I know we sat in the evening. We sat we sat uh near our kayak spot in the evening. Right. That, that evening. But I don't know I don't know where we sat that morning. I forget. But I know I draw another goose egg. Where did we sit? I don't know. It's gonna fluster me now. Let's yeah, it's on next time. We can always edit this out. Dude, a side note though. Like my hands are almost unusable right now. Mosquitoes? No, I have poison ivy. I have oh, poison really? ivy between my fingers. My hands are all—I don't know if it's poison ivy or bugs, but it looks like my hands got shot with a shotgun. Yeah, yeah. So bugs. I have a lot of like that 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 kayak spot. I got into a mess of seed ticks, dude. Ooh. My my whole belly, all the way wrapped around, and then like my hands and my arms that they, they had seed ticks. So I, I was like, oh, I just got like some seed ticks. Well, when I went out there to set up that blind the other day. Uh, when I set it up, I didn't have like a weed or anything with me. So what I did is I, is I kept, uh, the grass that was inside the blind. I want it to be just dirt for obvious reasons. And so I would just, I just had my hands, my boots, and I was just like kicking up the, the grass and, and taking it out and throwing it out the blind window and stuff. And I guess there was a mess of poison ivy because I got it all between my fingers. Uh, I got it like behind my ear and crap like that. And it's, it's got hammered. Fun. Yeah, dude. Dude, so I found it out. It's the parking lot spot. We oh, we did. Yeah, we did. this was disappointing. If you guys watched any uh, uh, our video about scouting, it's the spot where we got all the great pictures, mm-hmm. and it just was very disappointing because it that is the community center of Kansas, <laughs> dude. <laughs> dude, you might as well build a a school out there or something <sighs> for as many people were on that place. The thing is, is there was there was good deer in the summer, and then when we checked them again, obviously a more a different location that wasn't like right there by the parking lot. 
we had some some tanks. Oh, beast! One hundred and forty inch eights. But the thing is, is you can't you can't beat people uh, that I guess were squirrel hunting and and the opener of season. Right. There was three people or two people waddling out there with twenty twos, and it's just like. Well, and there was there were so many other people on our cameras that were driving through and parking, and just. It was just getting hammered. I think on a month period, there was like 14, 15. There was just so many different people in there. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, just like we talked about earlier, you can't expect a mature buck to be like, oh, no, it's okay. It's fine. I just love this spot. Yeah. No, they're not going to do that. And they might, but they're not going to move during the daylight. Yeah, that was unfortunate. But hey, it's the thing is, is we weren't even planning on going up there in September. We were honestly right. planning on, on just waiting to go up there in November. And like we already talked about, it's like, I'm glad we X these spots off because it, if not, we'd be extremely disappointed. And out of that week long trip, we would have spent three days of edges X and off spots. Right. And so it's just like one of those, like now we can go back with a strategy that is more, as of what we know now, it's 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 a better strategy than what we had before. Well, that's 80% of public land hunting is finding out where not to hunt. Yeah. You know what <laughs> yeah, I mean? That's true. Because if you're not if you weren't running cameras like we were, you'd just be like, Why does this spot suck? Yeah. You know, like it's a great spot. No one's in here when I'm in here. Why does it suck? And I'm not like a huge advocate for everyone running cameras all the time, but there is some knowledge to disseminate from the cameras. You can look and say, I definitely don't want to be here. And that's almost just as valuable as saying I do want to be here because it, it makes you focus your time in other areas. So I was, I was thinking about it the other day out of the, the seven ish sits that we got up there, we sat in six different spots and I feel like we, we learned a lot because of that. I enjoyed, I enjoyed sitting in all the different places. So that evening I drew three goose eggs or after that morning, I had, that had been three goose eggs in a row for me. And after seeing like 17 deer together on the first day, I was like, I want to see a deer. Yeah. I don't care if I have to jump one. People might not like hearing that, but I don't mind jumping one to find one. So we went, we went uh, hiking that evening. Oh, okay. You're talking about the kayak spot. Yeah. Yeah. So we also ran it, ran into the situation because I was like, I want to hunt this piece of Weehaw. You want to hunt this piece of Weehaw, but probably was miles apart. Yes. Yes, and the place that 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 you were really really keen to hunt was it was basically a one man spot, and that's that's a okay. But that's where we ran into uh, we we need more vehicles as well because because Carol uh, already went back home. He had some personal issues and stuff, but uh, so he that that was excused. So we were left with one truck between like obviously two people, two people. and your spot being a one person spot. I wasn't about to drive an hour just to hunt. Yes. And so I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go walk this way. If you're hunting that way, I'm just going to go walk this way. There's, there's like some pretty thick timber and stuff. Let's just see what's in there. And at this point, like I'm already like a little upset. So like try to blow off steam and stuff just because like you're getting goose eggs, mosquitoes are biting you, ticks are on you and all that stuff. Just like, I'm just going to go walk. It's fine. So that ended up being, Probably one of the best things that could have happened. Very fruitful. Yes, because I walk in there and I see more sign than I've seen possibly in the last three years. And just like my little uh, excursion that I was doing. 
And so it was probably when it's all said and done after starting the truck or uh, getting out of the truck and walking and, and walking where I did and then coming back, it was about two and a half miles. It's again, that's trek. Yeah. Again, it d- doesn't seem like a lot, but I found what could be where I shoot like a 170 because I, I mean, obviously I'm exaggerating, but there was rubs, there was footprints the size of my, uh, of like the wild game innovation trail cameras. I got a little clip of that. If you go to, go on Instagram, you can see like just how big the size is. And you all might, might think that, Oh, that's just a normal size track. Well, for Oklahoma boys, that's a monster. It looks like a cow to us. So, yeah. uh, that's, that's one of the spots I'm more keen to. And if not that spot where I, I was finding all those tracks and stuff somewhere within that, that area, I feel like I, I could like set up on a trail and possibly get it done if needed. Yeah. One point I was thinking of when you were talking was this early season stuff can be pretty tough and can kind of make you question yourself because you're not getting a ton of those rubs, like scrapes, like a, mm-hmm. a lot of fresh sign besides maybe tracks. And I like you and I like seeing that heart sign. Like I like rubs. I like scrapes. Those are the things that give me confidence. Yeah. Not just so much tracks. Yeah. And so that made it a little tough. And I, the second thing I wanted to point out was, dude, most of these Weehaw spots are not two seaters. No, they're no. not two seaters. And it's just like, you do need multiple vehicles if you're going to be jumping around. And it's just, it, it, it gives me, it, it, it's like good, but at the same time, it, it, it worries me because if we get in there and I want to go to this one Weehaw spot and there's somebody in it already, it's like, I know I can't go in there and, and both of us have a good hunt. So I'm going to have to have, just like we talked about, like a revolver. I need six bullets in the clip. So what I did on that same meeting when you took off, I took off the other direction. Mm-hmm. And I went through all these thorns. Dude, I'm not, I'm talking chest high thorns. And I was just like, there's a deer in here, but I don't want to hunt right here. Um, after, after about a mile in there, I jump a doe or two does. And... I was like, there's deer in here. This is awesome. Hmm. Hmm. This is weird. I haven't seen one of these in a minute. So I set up in that cedar on the ground and ground hunting is a little harder than I, than I remember it being, <laughs> uh, but I had the same two does come up exact. I don't know why this always happens, but they came up the exact trail where I walked in at and like golden handcuffed me at five yards on the ground. And I mean, they, they were like giving me some of these on the ground. It's like, they know that I'm not supposed to be sitting under this cedar. And I I talked about it a a good amount in the last podcast that I did solo, but basically drew back shot, had my cam buried in a cedar. It was a very rushed shot, but I airmailed that though. On the bright side, found my arrow though. That's a $60 recovery. That's that's almost worth more than than the deer meat, to be honest. <laughs> um, on the way back or on the way in, though, I did find a cell cam. Uh, a guy, oh, yeah. a guy hung his camera from private and just like pointed it over to the public. And Jake Harris that, was like, "That's well, a good sign, right?" Yeah, he was like, "Well, maybe that was a guy that walked all the way back in there." I'm like, "Jake, you don't understand. If this guy walked all the way back here, he's never checking this camera. Like, yeah. It was it was hell to get in there." But that's a that's a spot I definitely want to access uh, in the season and hunt again. Yeah, no, no, that. Do you think that's like your first up to bat, or no? 
I want to hunt the first Weehaw before it gets absolutely hammered. Mm-hmm. Just because I'm like, man, with a, a temperature change, I could see a buck coming into that bedding or coming absolutely. out of that bedding yeah. with the right wind. So what I'm doing is, this is a good point, what we've talked about. It's so weird to be able to hunt, one, a consistent wind, and two, a bed-to-feed pattern. We yeah. we never get to do either of those. And when we talk about that all the time of like swirling winds and like bump and dump, feed, bump and dump those people get so flustered, but I think it's really easy not to understand someone else's perspective when you hunt your area of the country and where we hunt. It's like we hunt in the mountains a lot. You're not gonna, the wind swirls, the wind goes up and down. Your wind might be different than my wind and I might be half a mile away. I mean, and yeah. There's no bed to feed. There's barely any food. It's like acorns and just regular browse on the ground. So it was weird to hunt something that it's not necessarily predictable, but something consistent. The wind is consistent and the bed to food was a little bit easier to narrow down. Yes. Yeah. So that was, that was evening number three. Mm -hmm. And then we just had that, that Sunday morning hunt and that was it, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that Sunday morning hunt, it went, so we went back to the first Weehaw that we hunted the first, yeah, the first morning. Mine wasn't as productive. I seen like maybe two doe and like a little four corn, but you were a little bit more in the action. I saw eight deer, which was, and some turkeys. So we talk about knocking the rust off. Dude, it, it, it felt like I had been, uh in the lake with that kind of rust for a while. <laughs> so I had a, when I was sitting there, sat in, I sat in a different spot than I did the first time because I f- found a deer trail and I had a, a good wind. So I sat in a different spot and I seen all these does at like 150 yards. Well, of course some does snuck up on me like behind me. And it's always like, it always scares the crap out of me when you turn your head slowly and something's like right there. You're like, Oh yeah. You don't hear anything, dude. That's the no. worst. It's just like, you should hear it because there's leaves on the ground. A, and then there's hardly any wind. It's just like, how, how are you still silent? You're a, you're a 200 pound animal. How are you silent? There's mm-hmm. no way. Yeah. Well, I turned around and these does are at 30 and I grab my bow. I get the camera on. Of course I double press record. There's a one second video of the does and I'm like, frick. Um, and had that trigger finger. <laughs> yeah. I drew back. I drew back on this doe and um, I had to stop her to draw back. I was like, man, and she stopped for a second, got drawn back. And then she starts step again. I was like, man. And I guess she was a quarter and a little. It's easy to make excuses, but it, I guess she was quartering away a little more than I thought. I put it what I thought was on her heart. And I shot a few inches further forward than I want that I wanted and just whoo, like butter through like just through through like butter crown hot knife through a butter hot knife through butter my crown went right through a brisket and it was just like i said in the last podcast and um like i I talked to you about about shot sequence my 15 second shot sequence of slow relaxed turned into a five second shot sequence and anytime you do that it's just not i don't think you can expect good results Cause you're speeding everything up. It's like if you had to get an elk walking out at 400 yards and you're like, I have to shoot this. By the time I put my eye on the scope, I have to pull the trigger in five seconds. It's like that. Mm, I don't know if that's a good idea. And that's the kind of the situation that, that I got in. And I don't think it, to me, it didn't feel anything like skill. It's just like, it's so much of bow hunting is just decision-making. Well, it, it's not only that. So let's say 
Okay, so that's the biggest thing between like public land and private land right there. Like private land, for the most part, you know where the deer is going to come out. You have time to go through that shot sequence. Okay, well, I'm going to constantly look this way because I feel like that's where they're going to come out at unless it's like the rut. And I guess they can come out from anywhere or, or what it may be. But for the most part, you have corn or some sort of food source. You know, you know exactly where they're going to be. They're not on edge. You know exactly. Yeah, yeah. They're really not on edge most of the time. And you know exactly where they're going to walk or where they're walking to. So you have time to do everything. You know, you probably already have your camera, if you're a filmer, set up in that direction where you, all you have to do is kind of zoom in a little bit and then press that record button, get your bow. Basically, you should already know the ranges, especially if it's private, because if you hunted enough, you're like, okay, that tree right there is 25, that little stump on the ground, that that uh, dead tree right there, that's, that's 35, whatever it may be. You, you kind of already have that, but when you're hunting public and stuff, you have no idea where they're really going to come from. You can kind of have an idea. You can guess, but you really don't know until you hunt and put yourself in that scenario. So you mix that with filming. It happens quick, and especially if they sneak up behind you like those doe did to you, it's like, okay, you ranged them, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah, so you ranged them, and by, by the time you try to get the camera on and press record, range, draw back and stuff, like, they're already kind out of time. Yeah, they're already walking past you and a little bit quartered away. So it's just not not saying anything bad about private because hell, that's what I'm going to be doing tomorrow. This hunting private. Me too. Yeah. Yes. And so I'm excited for that. But that's the difference because us being on both sides of the spectrum, being able to hunt private and then being able to hunt public, you can kind of get a firsthand view of like, okay, these are the differences, and those are the differences. That's why me personally, like, I I'll probably never shoot like a back tension release or something like that on public land, because depending on the situation, there are times, I mean, whether you want to believe it or not, there are times you're going to have to punch a trigger, cuss me out, do do what you want. But there are times where you're going to have to punch a trigger. And that's just, that's just the way it works. And you, you could say, Oh, I'm not going to take that shot. You know, if, if I have to punch a trigger, well, let a big old 170 walk out and see if you're not really going to punch a trigger. If that's your only shot at that deer, especially on public BS. It, it's a, it's a freaking pressure cooker. It's just you have to make five things work in a very small period of time. And for me, it makes me feel bad because I'm like, I didn't need to do that on a doe. That wasn't right. A, that wasn't a 170 inch buck that was going to walk away and it's once in a lifetime kind of deer. It was a freaking doe. But I get, I just like shooting deer with my bow. No, well, especially general, early season. And it's just like, that would have been a very easy drag. So right. it's just like, I would have did the same exact thing. Like that, I told myself that morning as well. If the doe walks out, it's getting deflated. <laughs> Lord willing, but that's just, I mean, that, that's just the way it is. And my thinking is it's not like a doe is any less valuable than a buck. Cause I apparently get to say that nowadays, but it's better. You did that. And you learned that lesson on a doe than a, what, like, like, a, like you said, a 170. because I guarantee you, you'd be kicking yourself a lot harder right now. If that was a 170 and just not a doe. as bad I as would. it sounds. I would. Um, like I said, it's just all about making good decisions and I just didn't make, I made some poor decisions. That's what it comes down to. Like trying to force things, trying to make things happen rapidly. It's a different situation if you're on in a buck on a buck or something, but it just needed, didn't need to happen on a doe. That's not the way you want to start. You don't want to be going into your home state opener looking for redemption already, you know, cause redemption is a heck of a thing. And I, I don't want to do that, but it is what it is. I made some poor decisions. Um, 
doesn't affect my accuracy, doesn't affect a lot of my confidence, but it's just like it's decision making, knowing when well, to shoot, when not. Didn't you shoot like when we got back to the uh to the house and didn't you shoot and your sight was a little off? Just a little bit. Just a <laughs> <couple of> <laughs> uh, yeah. That's what I'm gonna say. My first miss, I'm like, dude, I I was trying to pull it up, my freaking gear rope broke and it fell 20 feet on the ground and i had to climb down and get it and stuff and so i think that's why i missed dude i was watching uh tyler from the element he put out a video that was like last december i think he shot at a buck on his home place mm -hmm. and the arrow hit like some grass or something on the way and it was a really nice buck too probably 140s and it just like nicked the buck's leg and i was just sitting there and i was like man these guys hunt all over the country i have a lot of respect for them i i love their content too and it's just like at the end of the day, you're trying to kill an animal with a freaking stick. Like yes, it's not it, easy. There's so many things that can court. go wrong in his home court, right? There's so many things that can go wrong. And it makes it's just like it makes it more impressive when people don't miss very often. But it's you ask a good bow hunter how many times you've missed. If you haven't shot at a, if you shot at a lot of things, you're gonna say I've missed like double digit times. Right. In my I mean I've definitely missed double digit. Times. <laughs> 100%. I, missed, I missed double digit before I even killed my first one with the bow. Right. It's not easy. And I think that's one of the things that keeps me going at it because it's like, I, I enjoy it so much. And as soon as, like I was saying in the podcast before that I did alone, I went three for three with my prime last year. It felt like if I shot an arrow in the skies, it would come down and hit something and it would go yeah. down. And I'd be like, yeah, but I come now and I just taste humble pie immediately. And I'm like, okay, Lord, everything I have comes from you. Even my shots. <laughs> I, I, I mean, yeah. it's just like you have to humble yourself so much. Well, in. Sometimes it's out of your control too. Well, that's the thing. Like you were on that mountaintop and it's just like he he like dropped his leg down from the cloud and said, yay. And then you're just rolling down the hill and you fall into the valley and you're just like, hmm. Okay, I, I understand. I hope there's a big muck <laughs> down in the valley. Yeah, that's a thing. Yeah. Uh, that's hilarious. I mean, I think it's important to talk about those things too on the podcast uh, because I don't I don't know. It kind of flusters me every time I get on TikTok and stuff. Like people are giving tips. And I we give tips some, sometimes too. Yes, yeah, but it's like we give tips sometimes too. But I also want to share the side of like I miss. I hit things. I don't kill it. Like – it happens for what it's me. worth. I think we, we, we have talked more about our fa our failures than we have like our success. hundred percent. Hopefully people that listen aren't like, these guys suck. We do. <laughs> that's the thing we do, but Hey, if you still watch, thank you. <laughs> that's, mm -hmm. I mean, that's just, that's just what it is. It's bow hunting, especially if you bow hunt, but like that's the thing private. What's your, what's your ratio on private since like you've actually like gotten serious in the bow hunting. Like how, how many times oh, do you get high? Is it? I, I I haven't missed many times. That, no, that's what well, I mean. I I've no I know people that are like I've never wounded a buck, and I'm like, yeah, but twenty yard shots over corn is a little bit different than yeah. these other situations. Not that it doesn't take some skill to keep your composure and right, shoot those deer, right? But it's different when you have options. Like, what if that deer just sailed by in one pass, and that's the only shot you were going to get? You'd probably have some worse situations going on well that's also the thing because like private nowadays it's like most people have cell cams i i think most people have cell cams put up and so they don't if they're smart well i don't want to call them dumb or whatever but like i need to choose my words wisely 
if you have a piece of private, more than likely you're not hanging stands. You're not putting up a stand, a new stand each hunt. So you don't have already that, that like mindset of like, man, I don't want to move this, that, and the other. Well, imagine if you had to set up a stand each time you hunted, like someone does on, on, on public, especially if they're like, you know, uh, a, a mobile hunter, mobile hunter. Yep. And you have that, man, I've moved my stand three times in three sits and I've had a fat goose egg on my forehead each sit. And then all of a sudden you have that could be a once in a lifetime buck, or it could just be like, I don't want to call it like a 130 or 140, like a small buck. Cause it's not, I mean, I'd shoot those every day of the week, but you have one of those walk out like a shooter buck. And it's just like, this might be my, my one opportunity because you have all that pressure, all that, like you're exhausted from like moving your stand and you're just tired of it. And you're just like, you're like freaking out. Cause you're just like, Oh my God, like this is actually happening. And on private, it's just like, well, you might've put some, some, uh, some sweat equity into hanging your stands during the summer or planning, planting those plots or filling up the feeders or trimming those lanes, whatever you have into that spot. But for the most part, you're like, okay, I got some deer coming to the feeder. Let's go hunt. And so you bring your bow, your camera equipment and you go hunt. And so when you see a deer, it's just like, oh, he'll be back. You don't know about that on public. You don't know how many people is going to be coming in the next week or two. Yeah. Well, and we always recommend everyone does both. You got to have some yes. enjoyment. Yes. <laughs> That's why we That's, have private and public. Yeah. 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 And it sounds like, uh, are you wanting to end this one and then, and then do a little recap of what's to come? Like what could be happening tomorrow for you? Or, or are you we wanting can, we to, can, we can keep it on this one. You want to keep it on this one? Okay. Cause we're going to have an episode next week about that. Okay. Well, I promise. uh, so let's wrap up the Kansas thing first. Okay, Kansas. That's what we learned. Bed to food pattern is real. Pressure was low, and Christian we, makes bad decisions. Do we want to talk about uh about like our our hunting strategy, like uh like what we're kind of looking for now, and and what we were looking for versus what we're looking for now, or is that like something for after the season? In case briefly, somebody... we can talk about it briefly. Okay. Yeah. So basically, what we were doing is, and it worked. And it would have worked, but for people wise, I feel like this is said too much in the podcast realm, but we're looking for places that don't look like much. And I know that's a very broad way to say it, but for, keep it broad, baby. for this, for this thing, it's just like, we were looking for those, that mature set of timber between like, let's say two bean fields or something like that. That's maybe backed up with a water source somewhere. That's what we were kind of keen in on. And for the most part, it worked. And I think it would have worked if people wouldn't have been an issue coming in there uh, before the season. But now it's like we're looking for those places that almost have that tall grass bedding, but a few sparse set of trees, like maybe a little bundle, like a little island of trees that are in this tall native grass that which they bed. But apparently they like to. Uh, it's like a beacon. Those trees within the middle, like those island trees within the middle of that field is like a beacon. And they'll come to that to work their way and like either just mingle or come to that and then go to their food source or coming off the food source to that, to the bedding. Now we haven't did that tried and true, but one of our buddies that have, that hunted a few days longer than us up there, that's what he was doing. 
And if you go watch our recent YouTube video, uh, you can tell that it was working. It's working so, for him. <laughs> yeah. So that's what that's what we're going to be trying to do for now on. Yeah, it, it's it's interesting up in Kansas because here it's like if you don't have trees, you don't have bedding, right? And mm-hmm. up there, it's like you don't need trees to have bedding. That's the limited resources, the trees for the most part. Um, so it's well, weird. It's weird to, to see that. Yeah. No. Well, uh, whenever I went and took took a walk, that's that's what I found because obviously I wasn't going to hunt it because I already kind of felt like I messed that place up because I walking around quite a bit in there. And there was this opening, and on one side it had that tall grass, mm-hmm. and on all basically all the way around it, it had uh, that that large block timber, and. I sat in that little opening just waiting. Like I wasn't expecting to get a shot at anything or shooting thing. I didn't even have my camera equipment set up. So I was like, I'm just going to go until I see like hopefully the first deer and then I'm going to leave. Even though it was hunting season, I was just like, I'm not, I'm not set up for this. So I'm not really even going to try. If one just blatantly walks out, like if it's a giant, yeah, I'll, I'll try to make a move on it. But for the most part, I wanted to get back to the truck before dark. A, because I had sea ticks all over me and stuff like that. And I just wasn't having fun. And, uh, so that's that's what happened. I sat in that opening, and they didn't come out of the the block timber. I'm sure some would, if I'd have waited long enough. But before dark, that's where I seen four or five start coming out of that tall grass and into that opening. And I was like, "There we go." Obviously, they seen me too, so they started blowing. But they got within like seventy yards, and I was like, "That's their bedding for sure, hundred percent." They 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 choose to bed there than in the timber, hundred percent. Mm-hmm if you think about it, it offers a lot better security and the timber you can see right. a little bit, you get in that tall stuff and it's like, dude, you can't see your hand in front of your face. <laughs> yeah. And that's ultimate security for a deer. So yeah, that doesn't surprise me. Another thing that I realized is when you're hunting places, especially in Kansas, you need to look at where you're hunting and the surrounding areas around it. It's not all about where you're, where you're sitting. It's what's around what I'm sitting. Can I use the terrain features where I'm sitting to catch those deer going to a piece of private or going to a a bean field here or going to a bedding area here. Um, You got to like kind of, I feel like we get a little zoomed in sometimes where we're exactly going to sit or you could zoom out a little bit and see a broader picture and be like, Oh, this is how this fits in the broader picture. Cause those deer to them, it's not about property lines. It's just, this is where I live. This is over here. This is over here. So that's something I got a little perspective on is be willing to kind of zoom out a little bit and figure out the broader picture instead of getting so focused on the minor details. Cause you're really going to figure out the minor details by being in there and hunting. Yes. And that's, that's, that's kind of a good little transition into, uh, this isn't like gospel, what we're saying. This is just what we've learned from, from hunting, hunting the time that, that we've spent up there. Right. So, this isn't like the defined, okay, this is what you need to do. This is, okay, from what we were doing, and this is how we ended the trip, and this is what we learned to transition into is is this this style, this perspective. Now, when we go back next weekend, it could be different or a little bit more defined, or it could just be completely tossed out the window. We don't know, but as of right now, this is our mindset of what we've learned from our last trip up there. It's true. I feel like we're narrowing in on them. I feel like we're learning. We're Xing things off. And once you do that enough, it's just a matter of time. We ran into a buck the first day we were there. Yeah. I got I got multiple shots at deer. What we were doing was working, just didn't make some good decisions, and we got caught on a buck. That's that's what it boils down to. 
that is more that is more action than we see freaking in late October and November. That's, that's the thing. That's the thing. So if we if we've been hunting, awesome. yeah, if we would have been hunting our, our place in in Oklahoma, that public land piece, we wouldn't have seen a dang thing all weekend. And I can guarantee that we were just hoping for a uh, oh like a, a blue moon or something like that. You know. Yeah. Well, it's it's opener this weekend in Oklahoma. You're going after some deer. I'm going after some deer. So I hope that we're doing an episode in about three days about smacking a couple big bucks. It's more seeming like a doe to me, but for you, uh, let's, let's, let's hear your, let's hear your little setup. Like what do you have going on over there? Like give a little bit of backstory. Got a lease. Um, this lease is awesome because it's way off of the road. Like it's a mile off of the road and it's very remote. And, um, We've stayed out of that thing all summer, pretty much. We went in there one time, and then I had somebody go in about a month ago to fill feeders, and it has just paid dividends. We have multiple mature bucks coming to this one feeder, and they've done it the last, gosh, like the last two weeks, at least one every morning and evening, and that can change with one one uh, whiff of a human, but it's seeming... Um, it's seeming like I could get a shot on opening day, which the earliest I've ever killed a buck in Oklahoma is like October like 15th or something. So this would be a huge jump forward for me. So opening day. Yeah. <laughs> this opening awesome. morning. Yeah. This First would be two, amazing. Two hours a season. So that's kind of what that's the setup. I mean, hopefully I'll have a video and some evidence to show you guys and a story to talk about after the weekend. But you don't you don't want to talk about the buck? Do do I need to talk about him? You might as well because if he's coming in like clockwork, you might as well just give give a, a little a little bit of teaser. Yeah, yeah. Just like, hey, what is this deer? What do you think he is? Like, like obviously, like score's cool, but he's a mature deer too. Well, we got two different bucks. I'm going in after there. Um, one is a six by seven. He's a mainframe twelve with a split eye guard on one side. He's he's a tight racked buck. He's probably 14, 15 inches wide. Um, but he has 13 points. Uh, he has great beams, decent time link, not the best time link is his twos are real short. Um, but he's just, he's a great buck. And I had him last year. He was an 11 last year. He's very mature. I think he could be a six and a half year old deer, to be honest. I don't think he's five and a half. I think he's six and a half. And then I have another, just like the complete opposite, super narrow, super tall, uh, heavy eight. I mean, this, this buck I think has, You've seen, I think he has pop can bases. Either one I would obliterate. <laughs> yeah. So he's got pop can bases. Um, this is a lease that me and Carol are both on. So hopefully we can get both of these deer, but he's got pop can bases. He's real tall. He's got decent time lengths. He's got a, he's got a, a double eye guard on one side. It's not split. They come off different places mm -hmm. and those are probably four or five inches. He's got one eye guard that comes all the way across like six inches, just some really awesome deer. And, um, they've been doing it dirty. On the, they've been teasing me so bad on the Tacticam. It's been hard to sleep this week, so I'm like, I don't want to look at the camera. If they didn't show up, I Every don't single it. morning, though. Every single morning. Now, but here's the thing about the Oklahoma deer. It just seems like they know. They know. They're like, hey, it's October 1st. <laughs> See <We> ya. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, but the way, kind of like you said, the way it's set up and the limited human intrusion, it sounds like you will be flinging an arrow. I hope it so. sounds like, Lord willing. Lord willing, I hope so. Um. I, I don't want to give them too much credit because they're deer and right. they're an animal. And if no one goes in there, there's no reason for them to change. But it just, like you said, it just seems like they're like, mm, 
this has been too good. We got to switch it up. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll see though. We'll see. I I'm hope excited so. about hopefully, it. hopefully I get a phone call now. Granted. Hey, Hey, if you shoot one of those, I don't care if I'm hunting, you give me a phone call. Okay. I'll give, but, I'll give you a quiet phone call, but whisper because you're also gonna have to whisper because if you get that six by seven down, probably still need to make it a little, a little quiet recovery for Carol. Yeah. Unless you just absolutely heart punch it. And you're like, Whoa! Yeah, no, no, uh, yeah. No. So, like, by the way, same oh, spot that same spot that I shot the funky buck last year. For people that watched our videos, that's mm. that's the same spot. Go watch that video. Make sure you give it a like and uh, subscribe. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm kind of in the opposite situation. Like I've had I've had a couple good bucks come through, but they were all bachelored up. And in the spot where I had the cell cam, I haven't seen them since I had corn out like a month month and a half ago. So, uh, I'm not, and, and plus since I put corn out, it's just been nothing but those and like, like little forkies, which is fine. That's cool because forkies beware. Yeah. <laughs> Don't tempt me. Uh, that spot that has a cell cam, it usually, it usually, it's almost like they don't summer there. It's like they, they, whenever their fall rotation hits, it's like, that's when it's security buck. when they need it and they don't yes. need it in the summer. Yes, that's ex- that's exactly right. And so that's when that's when that sp- spot usually heats up. Like I like that's a that's a spot. Even though I have freaking ten doe in there, that's not a spot I want to go in and shoot a doe. Regardless, I don't care if they're coming in like clockwork, which they are, and they're little corn scoundrels. But that's I'm just going to leave that space that spot alone until uh until I, I get one coming in there consistently, which I think will be late October. Late October, I think that's when that that spot's going to be like, okay, I have a potential to shoot a big buck unless one less opening day and they all get scared and they run into cover. That's the spot to be. But if I don't have anything in there like this morning or tonight, whenever I get that that uh, upload to my phone, mm-hmm. then I'm going to go hunt the blind, which I have more recent pictures of that buck. I don't know what he is. I don't know whether he's just a regular 10 or what, but he has a great frame, pretty wide frame. But his tines aren't the tallest. I think they'd be. I don't even want to say because it's like like a pretty far away picture. Like it's. A, I have it on video mode. So what it was is a little a little basket rack was like digging into some like dirt, and in the background there was like three bucks, and one was like high and tight, and the other one was that nice bug that I don't know. I don't know if I'd for sure shoot him because I've. I feel pretty confident on like my passing skills right now. And so I feel like I would look at him and like make a judgment call then if he if he were to come in. Yeah. Now as a sure to you? I don't know. It he's kind of just facing away in the video. Yeah, he is. He's and granted they, they always look bigger from behind, so that, that's another thing. But as of right now, if I think he is what if I think he is what I I think he is, obviously, then I want to shoot. But if I just kind of like that that three year old last year. He's like mid one twenties. He came in. He's not exactly what I thought, or he. I guess he was kind of what everybody else was thinking. But yeah. as a person that has the camera, you're like, oh, he's he's a little bit bigger than than you think. You know, thirties, bro. Exactly. And so as soon as he came in, like obviously, I was like, he ain't he ain't mature. He's like three, and uh, I'm hoping to do the same thing with this buck, but we'll see. Well, it sounds like we, we could have a good weekend. At least should see some deer, and especially with Kansas on the docket the next weekend. It's going to be a good, good couple weeks of, of yes. deer hunting. We'll bring the podcast mics. We'll make sure to keep you guys updated. I know these are kind of 
long rambling episodes, but we're just going to kind of word vomit on what's happened the last weekend on, on hunting. These are some of our most popular episodes on the hunt talk stuff. I think people love hearing it throughout the season. So that's what was up and hopefully got a good weekend ahead. So if you guys wouldn't mind, please leave us a rating or interview on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Go check out our YouTube, TikTok, and we'll try to keep you guys updated with Insta stories throughout the weekend. It's hunters underscore advantage. And with that, we'll catch you guys in the next one. Jesus loves you. Bye. Thank you guys so much for checking out the Hunter's Advantage podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, make sure to leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcast, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen to the podcast. Thank you guys so much, and we'll see you in the next episode.